Nevertheless, Jesus says, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to his disciples when he departed. This is what would make it an advantage that he depart from them. Jesus meant that the presence and work of the Holy Spirit would actually be better for the believers than the physical bodily presence of Jesus. It was better because Jesus could be with every believer all the time. If Jesus were present bodily on this earth, there would be some Christians who would be overjoyed speaking of those that would be in his immediate presence. But for most Christians, they would have the overwhelming sense that Jesus was not with them. Truly, it was all to our advantage. Now here's Pastor Rob. I don't want you to stumble, but you're going to stumble. You're going to have some hard times. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. So verse 2, he says, Then that they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And we saw this in John chapter 9. If you remember, there was a blind man who was from birth, and Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day. And naturally, he's excited because he's never seen before. Can you imagine not ever seeing before? And all of a sudden, the, the Jesus comes and gives you sight. And, and now, for all the things that you've been running into and the things that you've been imagining and your, all your other senses are peaked because now that's all you've got. Now all of a sudden you can see and you can put a face to a name. You can, put a, uh, you can touch something that you've, you've handled many times and you can see these things. He told the Jews, he told the Pharisees, and they, and they were uh, very ambivalent and very um, uh, against this man because he said that Jesus had touched him and they didn't believe in Jesus. And his parents even, you know, he goes and, and finally... He tells the Pharisees, they, they, they don't believe him, and finally they ask his parents if these things were so. And his parents answered and said unto them, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means now he sees, we do not know. Or, what, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. And so his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Isn't that exactly what he said here? The time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And yes, and they will throw you out of the synagogues. 
Do you think the cancel culture that we live in, the woke mob, is something new? It's really not. The Pharisees were basically saying, if you don't believe our deceptive narrative, you will be canceled. Social justice in the first century. What does Solomon tell us in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9? That there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. What happened then is happening right now. And Jesus and his disciples experienced it. They were being canceled. They didn't call it that, but that's what it was. And after he continues to tell them the truth and challenge them, they say to him who was formerly blind, you were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. They cast him out of the synagogue because of his belief in Christ. Time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. You remember in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, before the Sanhedrin, they killed him ultimately and they thought that they were doing the right thing where God was concerned. But here now Stephen gets arrested and he says to the Sanhedrin, this ruling class of of Pharisees and Sadducees, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. There he is speaking to authority under the influence of the Spirit of God. (laughs) You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. And ultimately, they, they gnashed upon him, it says... Uh, and they, they gnashed upon him, and they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Does that sound familiar? You know who Saul is? That this, that they, who was witnessing the, the death of the first martyr of the church? It was Paul the Apostle. Yes, the one who wrote two-thirds or penned two-thirds of the New Testament. The one whom God had set on fire. The one whom would be beheaded by Nero in Rome over his faith in Christ. But before then, he was just a zealous Jew who wanted to eradicate all of the stuff about Jesus. And even Saul of Tarsus, he was one of the most zealous of the Pharisees. In Philippians 3, verse 5, it tells us that he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee and concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He was one of the worst enemies the church ever had at the beginning. But after his conversion, he became the greatest advocate for Christ. Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, because of his zeal, he thought that he did God's service by killing Christians. In Acts chapter 7 it says, And they cast uh, Stephen out, out of the city, and they stoned him, and, uh, and they gathered the clothes uh, at, at Saul's feet. And Saul was consenting to his death, it tells us in, in, um, in eight verse one, Acts 8, verse 1. He was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, Samaria except the apostles. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dropping or dragging off men and women, committing them to prison, until finally in Acts chapter 9, and this is the, 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 the fork on the road for Saul in his life, 
Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that as he found anyone who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Saul was a great enemy. Yes, the time is coming that they will kill you and think that they do God's service. And even one of God's own, the precious Apostle Paul, started off as one of the worst enemies of the church. Let me ask you, is that a God of grace? Has he been gracious to you, regardless of the things that you've done? Is God upset because you're, you know, you've, it doesn't matter what you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Listen, this guy was killing Christians. Pulling them out of their house and killing them, taking them to prison. And God would use this man to not only change his life around, God had a plan for him. Changed his life around, now he's penning two-thirds of the New Testament. There was probably nobody that I know of other than Christ himself who was as sold out as the Apostle Paul. And he didn't start off that way though, did he? He started off as a as a scoundrel. And I relate to that because I'm a scoundrel too. I'm thankful that he's got me. Notice verse 3 in our text, And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. If they knew the Father and Jesus, they certainly wouldn't have done this, but they proved that they didn't know him by doing these things. But these things, verse 4, I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But these things, when the shepherd is with the sheep, he doesn't need to tell them in advance because he's there to protect them. But there's coming a time when Jesus will be taken from them. And that's why he is forewarning them. I love what David said in the Psalms. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. But now Jesus will go away. Verse 5, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Remember Jesus' origin. It wasn't from the earth. Remember, it was, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Almighty God, Everlasting... Are you sure about that? Almighty God, this baby born in her womb is Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Did Joseph have anything to do with this? No. He had nothing to do with it. He was basically a caregiver. To Jesus. He had nothing to do with it. He never touched Mary. But the Bible foretold 700 years before it happened that this woman, this young lady, would have the very seed of God placed in her womb and bring forth the Son of God, God Almighty Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's his origin. That's why he could say, I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where I'm going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. The disciples were still not clear on Jesus' mission. Again, I'm so glad they were slow, because it makes me feel a lot more comfortable. Because I realize I'm not all that either. 
Jesus told them on at least three occasions, Guys, I'm going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, to the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And oh, by the way, I'm going to rise on the third day. They heard it three different times in the gospel accounts. It tells us that he told them that. And then when we see a a week before Jesus would be crucified at the triumphal entry of Jesus, we know it as Palm Sunday. What happened? It says, his disciples did not understand what was happening, but when Jesus was glorified, when he was resurrected from the grave, then they remembered these things were written about him, and they had done these things to him. So astute cognitive ability was not a requirement, evidently, to be a follower of Christ. And I like that, because again, I qualify. I don't have astute cognitive abilities. Nevertheless, Jesus says, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. The Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, however you want to call it. He's called the Paraclete in the, in the Greek. It means somebody who comes alongside Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Jesus wasn't going to leave his disciples orphans, and he won't leave us orphans either. He said he would go to prepare a place for us, and that he would send the Spirit of God to indwell us. See, that's something new in the New Testament, that the Old Testament believers, they didn't have the Spirit of God indwelling them. But you and I have this wonderful witness Because Jesus is no longer here with us, physically present. And so he's able to minister to all of us. Right now, at the sound of my voice, people all over the world are either going through what we're going through right now in churches, or have already been through their church service. They probably slept because 12 hours ago they had their Sunday morning service. But they've all heard these things. The same Holy Spirit working here in this room is the same Holy Spirit that's working everywhere. And now he could do that to all, and very easily Because Jesus would breathe upon them. And I had some, I'll have to get this squared away, I apologize. I had some things I wanted to share with you. But Jesus would breathe on them on the evening of his resurrection. Remember in John chapter 20, verse 22, he breathed on them and they received the Spirit of God. But yet there was going to be more to it. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And I believe that Jesus here is speaking about the baptism or the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that would occur on the day of Pentecost, thus fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy of Joel's in chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Because we know that the day of Pentecost occurred about a week after Jesus ascended into heaven. Notice verse 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, yes. He will convict the world of sin to deny the Son of God as sin. Ultimately, to reject Christ to the very end is sin, and you will pay the price for that decision that you make. God is not going to force you to do anything He loves you enough to give you the decision. He doesn't force you. You know, you notice that other religions in the world, they they, kind of coerce you to do something. 
But God has done everything, and he just lays it bare before you. This is all that I've done. It's written. This is all that I've done. Come and dine. Come. The invitation is to come. And yet, we have the ability to say, no thanks. (laughs) And God pleads with humanity, come to Christ. There is an accounting, folks. I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need Jesus Christ. And I believe in him with my whole heart. Do you? I love him and I want him to consume everything about me. And I pray that you feel the same way. Because if you do, he will and does and will continue to do it. He says, of sin because they do not believe in me. And the Holy Spirit will come and he will convict the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Hey, guess what? He was the only righteous one on this earth. There is no one like Jesus. He was sinless. And yet he, in his humanity, he defeated Satan in that wilderness for four days. Or for 40 days, actually. He defeated him in his humanity. No, he, wasn't, he didn't put on his, his Superman cape and saying, I'm the son of God. And therefore, you know, the devil's going, oh. No, Jesus veiled that. He, un, he, just, he put that away. And he says, if I'm going to defeat sin, I've got to do it in my humanity, and I'm going to do it here and now. And he did it for us. He is the, the perfect example. And Jesus did not sin. He did not sin. And yet, because of his death and his resurrection, now when we do sin, we have an advocate. If we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What better thing could we have? There's really no better thing. And, uh, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Yes, Satan was defeated on the cross at Calvary. And he's alive and well right now. But guess what, folks? The Bible tells us that the mystery of iniquity, God is allowing it for a season, but his end is coming. And you know what frustrates the devil more than anything? Is that he knows the word of God better than you and I. He's already looked at the end and saw his beginning. Do you think he doesn't know this? He's a spirit. He's not omniscient like God. He's not omnipresent, and he's certainly not omnipotent. Only God is. But Satan is looking through this and going, I wonder what's going to happen to me. He's going, well, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm going to take out as many of those that he loves, that Jesus loves, and that's his attitude. He's going down, and he doesn't care how many he takes with him. He doesn't care. He wants to take as many down as he wants. And even though he can't take away your salvation, Christian, if you're saved, you're saved. But if you, even though he can't take away your salvation, what he can take away is your enjoyment of it. He can ruin your witness if you're getting sloppy. He can ruin everything. You're still, you're still going to go to heaven, but guess what? You're going to live a miserable life. And I don't know about you, but if I'm a Christian, I want to live a blessed life. I want to have a happy life here. A really blessed life. Regardless of my circumstances. That's what I want. That's what God wants for you and me. So I'm all in. Are you all in today? Are are you all in? (laughs) Are you all in? Be all in. Jump in with both feet and don't look back and give it all to him. Give your heart unreservedly over to him. And I love this. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus said, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. 
And he will glorify me and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. As we've been going through these John chapter 4 and even as now we're looking at John chapter 16, I've made a list of some things and I, I... If you uh, go online tomorrow, you'll be able to see all these slides that I wanted to share with you so you can review them as you listen to the message again if you'd like to take notes or whatever. But what was the purpose of the Spirit of God given by Jesus? What was His purpose in coming? Let me just rattle off eight things at least. And these are things that are corroborated in Scripture. He will teach you all things in John 14, 26. He will bring to remembrance all things that Jesus has spoken. John 14, 26, same verse. He will testify of Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't testify of a man or a movement or, or, or anything. God doesn't glorify a man. The only one that he glorifies and speaks of is Jesus Christ. He doesn't go, wow, that guy's got a mega church. Wow, that guy's got a church of 15 or 20 or 30. It doesn't matter. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't magnify a man. He magnifies Jesus. Never forget that. If you go to a church and Jesus is not being magnified, do yourself a favor and talk to the pastor. And if he won't listen, then you leave. Because you and I, we need this. I don't need a sermonette. I don't need a feel-good message that, oh, God loves you, and you know, even though you messed up, you know, God's going to accept you. Just stay the way you are. It's okay. You can still have that relationship. God knows that love. Love is love. God's a God of love. It's okay. I don't care. It's fine. No, it is. It isn't fine. It isn't fine. Because God says that it's not fine. And when he says that it's not fine... I better listen up, (laughs) right? He will testify of Jesus Christ, and he will also convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. He will guide you into all truth. Certainly the word of God, but I believe that God even does, the spirit of God does even more than that. He guides us into his truth, but I think also the truth, period. Do you know what I'm saying? I think he makes us aware of when we're being bamboozled. Because he wants to... Help us in this world of deception that we can see the truth of what's really going on. And folks, you and I, the Christian church is, one of the, is the only entity that I know of that has the ability, by God's Spirit working in us, to see through the smoke and the mirrors. And we are, and we're rising up, and we're saying something about it, and we're getting other people to open their eyes too. And it's not even our opinion. These things are very obvious. And they line up with the word of God. So you got everything on your side. God is on our side. Remember that song? Uh, it doesn't matter. So anyway, he will, he will guide you into all truth. And only what he hears the Father speak, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. Hasn't he been doing that? Didn't he do that in the disciples' life? Isn't it because of their writings, the Apostle Paul specifically, that now we know of things to come? Think about when Jesus said this. The New Testament hadn't even been written yet. And the Holy Spirit would come upon those men, in those men, and they would write things, and they would be given things from the Spirit of God, direct revelation from God. They wrote it down, and Jesus put his stamp of approval on it by even doing miracles to confirm the word that was spoken, and now it's written for us all to see. And aren't you blessed and glad that we have all of this to look at now? That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.